Hello and welcome to the BZ Listening Podcast. I'm your host, BZ Douglas. I'm just a guy who plays music, works in advertising, and decided to start producing a podcast one day. Not much of a tagline yet, but I'm more in the coding side of advertising, so it's, it's good enough. Every Monday on this podcast, I have a different grassroots musician. This week, we have our second Maddie in a row, Madeline Finn. I met last week's Maddie at an open mic, but I first heard of this week's Maddie not long after moving to Cleveland when my wife Deb got home from her first show at the Grog Shop, a local music venue, and she couldn't stop talking about this band, The Whiskey Hollow, which we later found out is fronted by Madeline Finn. A few months later, Deb became one of Madeline's last vocal coaching clients briefly before Madeline decided to focus 100% on her music. On today's episode, Madeline and I talk about her early start in music, the lessons she learned as an American Idol contestant, and how she plans to move forward as a musician using Patreon to sustain herself and leveraging that commitment to fans to fuel her creativity. I just want to warn you, this one runs a I don't know, a little long. It's closing in on the 90-minute mark, but I promise you I cut everything that I could in this case, I blame Madeline. She was such a fun guest. Uh, no joke, I could have just interviewed her all night. You can find Madeline Finn and The Whiskey Hollow on Spotify and check this episode description for links to all the things that a band links to, MySpace, Friendster, and LinkedIn. Remember, musicians, you can never get enough LinkedIn recommendations. It really helps with attracting booking. Have you ever been shocked by a microphone? I think I have. It's awful. Worse is nicked when the oh, the metal the mm-hmm. mesh um, has like a burr, oh, like a, a little bit of it mm-hmm. sticks out, and I've had like that cut, my, like rub my lip against it. Like, oh. uh, the worst time it ever happened to me, I was in Buffalo, and we were like hanging out, doing the thing, like being in Buffalo, and I'm playing the song, and I had this really cool microphone, and it was like one of those old timey ones. I was so excited to use it, and then I started playing, and it shocked me real bad so that I screamed the F word into the microphone, and then I changed the mic, and it did it again, and I was sad, and you saw sparks. Like, my drummer was like, I saw literal sparks. Is that, has that starting to uh, just embedded in you, like, keep, always keep a, a foam thing in your you pocket? You know, not really, but what I realized it was like, from... Like, like, as you, like, I, I hope you're, like, using earplugs more and things like... No, just, just oh, not shit. learning from any of my mistakes, but... I've uh, been thinking about that more, just thinking, like, oh, I haven't thought about that at all, and I'm 40, so, you know, the more I, like, get into playing music, then, like, I want to keep whatever I've got. Yeah. I deal with ringing now as it is, periodically. Same. The worst is that it's totally random. It doesn't just like nee, like some steady thing. It's just this nee, same. Nee, nee, nee. And I'm like, is it when I move my jaw? Is it like when my eye twitches? Is mm-hmm. it when I blink? Is it- Mine just happens like randomly. Like I'll be just sitting somewhere random and then all of a sudden I'll be like, nee, and I'll be like, this is awful. Why is this happening to me? But yeah. So kids, Podcast. this this episode is brought to you by the National Tinnitus Foundation. Kids, <laughs> please get your uh, plug in, uh, earplugs and and watch yourselves out there. We won't, but we hope I will you not. do. You can't make me. 
So, uh, hello. We're uh, we're officially, I think, starting the Is podcast. It happening? It's okay. happening. It's, it's happening. happening. And we're here. today we have a live studio audience. We Whee! have uh, uh, yay, Chris. Whee! We have we have Deb. <laughs> they're making. They're going to be ringing throughout the show, and then we're going to wonder <laughs> if it's actually in our heads. <laughs> it's a fun little game. We should have a snort count. That. Ding. I will add that in post every time you snort. We will add the ding. <laughs> I love it. And um, so I'm here with Madeline Finn. Hello. Hello. How are you? Cleveland uh, singer-songwriter. Is that, I always I wonder if that's a vague category. I think, I don't know. It's, it's tough because I think it's just the category that we throw people who don't have a category, if that makes sense. And I like to call myself a songwriter-singer. I don't know why, but I've been trying to flip the script on that one. because That's mo- a good tagline. Right? Right? Yeah. I guess so. So yes, I, I suppose I'd be a Cleveland-based songwriter, singer, um, human. So, yeah. So where does your like musical biopic open? What's the, what's the opening shot where you're like, you, you walk and you fall and your fingers hit a piano and then like, you go, <gasps> or- It's time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing this for a really long time. Yeah. So I've... Just like anybody else, I've always just known music was kind of my thing. So I remember being like six years old and having my mom buy me like a plastic guitar and a plastic microphone just hanging out, like playing nothing, but still acting like I was. Like there's photos, there's photo evidence that that was a thing. And then I would like play on pots and pans uh, because I didn't have instruments. And the first time it actually like hit, to be honest, was when I realized in church that you could play music. And so I was like, mom, I want to do that. And so she was like, all right, cool. Like, do your thing. Um, you know what? I should backtrack. That's not entirely true. I've blocked this portion out. Oh. So <laughs> when I was in like second grade, I don't know why, but I, I don't want to be that person that's like, yes, I'm gifted. Yes, I'm talented. Um, when I was in like second or third grade, um, my music teacher was like, Hey, like, are you in music lessons? Like, what are you doing? I, this is actually something that's on my like list of like, kind of the boilerplate things I like Mm -hmm. to ask people is Mm -hmm. who was, because I can look at like, you know, I didn't end up being a famous actor, but as far as setting me on the path of the arts, Mm -hmm. for me, the door was theater. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that came from like the first time someone's like, you should try out for a play. Exactly. Exactly. So my music teacher in like third or third grade or something like that was like, hey, are you in music lessons? I was like, nah, like we're kind of poor. Like we don't really have money for that. And she was like, okay, let me see see what I can do. And so she applied for this grant through the state. And basically the state paid for me to take piano lessons for a couple of years. And I hated it. <laughs> she was like, you can choose between drums, piano, or uh, guitar. And I chose piano. And it was the worst. And I hated it. Um, we are <laughs> now three for three of <laughs> like musicians who had to were. Brought into playing piano and they hated it. It was awful. Do you still do you go back to piano now? Though yeah, I find that it helps me write. um, You know, because it's not my normal instrument. But so I played piano for a minute, hated every second of it. But I was identified gifted by the state in this music thing. And so as I grew up in the church, it kind of turned into this like, okay, well, what else can I do? And I started having an interest in like bass and piano and well, obviously piano, but guitar, drums, like all the things. And I was like, man, like was I'd vocals always there never, and not discovered never, yet? Never, ah. ever. Well, so I shouldn't say that. So I, 
I used to sing the Ohio State fight song over the like loudspeakers at school during Ohio State's games. Um, <laughs> and uh, a principal of mine like realized that I enjoyed singing and hired me at like age eight to like sing at her wedding, which was cool. I call it my first paid gig. But um, yeah, I think something something odd happened where I wasn't comfortable with my voice. So I was mostly an instrumentalist up until like the age of 14. I start I sang in bands, but it was never like my thing, you know? So the first time I really like started singing was in high school. And so did any of that, was that because of... Um like were your parents musical in any way like surrounding you or did it did it seem they were like I don't know where she gets it so it's it's odd so no no my parents were not musical so I never I didn't meet my dad up until last year Mm. and my mom was like a karaoke queen queen straight up queen I remember like running around my grandparents house listening to her singing Aretha Franklin on a cassette tape like that they recorded at her karaoke nights and so she was a badass at that but um you know, it really didn't, I was not that great of a singer. Like, that was not my thing. I just had this, like, ingrained, like, rhythm and melody and all. It was just something that I couldn't help but let out, no matter what instrument it was. Singing-wise, I, I was not great. And I even had people, when I was, what, like, 13, 14, tell me I could not sing and that I should not sing and that I should just write for other people. It was actually a high school teacher who, uh, my songwriting teacher. Oh, man. Yeah. He was like, oh, That's a question to add to the list. Like, who were the dicks along the way that told you to (laughs) give up on your dreams? He was great. But so he was the one who Who were the bastards (laughs) in your movie? He put together this, uh, so how it all happened is I was, I was told that I wasn't a great singer and that I should just write for other people in this songwriting class. I won all these songwriting awards and that's why I call myself a songwriter singer. Maybe it's some subconscious thing, Mm. but, um, you know, then we we wrote uh, in in our class one day. He was going over a term called chiasmus. Have you ever heard of that? It's like this poetic thing where it's like you're not fat because I hate you. I hate you because you're fat, or like those kind of things. Like it's like where you use the okay. same words to like do the thing. So mine was like, if life's about looks, let's change our look on life. And he was like, oh, that's so good. It's so great, and it's used in blues music. So he's like, Maddie, you can sing it. Since you wrote it, you can sing it. And so we got the little band up there and we started we started playing and singing. And I just ripped out this blues tune, like this 12-bar blues singing situation. And he was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to sing. Got it. And then put together this band for the rock off. And so it turned into this whole like machine. So we were like, okay, let's play this rock off thing. We didn't expect to win. And then we won and we were like, oh God. The crazy thing to me is we were the first female fronted act to win in the history of the competition, which is absurd because it was 2010 when we won. How long had that been going on? Like since like early, early 90s. Ah, okay. So it was a little odd to me, but but it happened. And, and so we kind of started playing out, playing all these shows. And I did that up until I was probably like 17, 18. And then everybody started moving away, going to college, deciding not to be in the band anymore, those sorts of things. And um, I was like, okay, well, like, what do I do now? And so I played a show with this band called Envoy, who had a male vocalist and all this sort of stuff. And they were like, hey, Maddie, uh, we're looking for a new vocalist. Do you know anybody? And they were like, I said to myself, like, oh, I sing. So I started singing for this pop punk band and that's kind of where everything went like 
boom, like it's happening. And so that, that got real popular and I'm still kind of riding off that, which is cool. And then I started Whiskey Hollow, uh, when that fell apart, uh, in 2014 and it's just kind of all kind of been circulating, but the Madeline, the Maddie Finn stuff, which is why I changed my name to Madeline Finn. The Maddie Finn stuff, I, I try to erase from the internet because <laughs> nobody wants their high school songs. Up. Well, no, but you, yeah, and you have um, news coverage of it. It's one thing if you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go back and I know, like, if some, if like this, this shit I'm doing catches at any mm-hmm. point, and uh, you know, like whatever, and I post something on YouTube, and it's like. There's a whole bunch of just dumb things I've put on there for just my own entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, but it's another thing if like there, you know, you can't mm-hmm. escape stuff like if it's got coverage yeah. by media. Yeah. And so, you know, when anybody would like be like, oh, who are like, what are, who are you? What are you doing? And be like, oh, I'm Maddie Finn. They'd look up Maddie Finn and all my high school stuff would come up.
I wanted to ask you, so you had that experience with winning the rock off and how, mm-hmm. and how about were you? I was 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of exposure to take in. And then, you know, you go into, then you're going into a band and you're, you're all about the music, mm-hmm. but then having that glimpse into like, oh, this is what it's like when a whole bunch of people are paying attention to you yeah. and you're, you know, you're, you're lifted up and be like, Oh, you're this thing. You're mm. Maddie Finn. Mm. And now you're trying to shed that to become your own thing and owning mm. your identity. Yeah. And it felt like you, you, it sounds like you, you lost it to a degree. Or mm-hmm. just like, or it's not even that you lose it. It's like from 14 to 20, my God, how much you change. Yes. Nevertheless, like, no, even right. like in my 20s, it doesn't slow down until like, I feel like when I was 30, I was like, okay, I'm like coasting now. I got an idea. I'm in my skin. Mm-hmm. And that, but it's it's different chronology for mm-hmm. everyone. I agree. But you know, and it, it was it was like bizarre, especially because I did not expect to win. And up until that point, I was the the chick who couldn't sing. You know, and then it turned into you know all these people wanting to say like, okay, like this is how I want to invest in you, and me looking at it truly and being like, okay, well, I don't I don't need that, and it's kind of shaped me throughout my career to to understand that if somebody doesn't want to be a part of what you're doing from the moment it starts, I don't really see them wanting to be a part of it truly when it starts succeeding, you know? So it taught me a lot about just um, enjoying things for what they are, I suppose, and, and for being, I think that's where I gained a lot of my like business savvy, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes, just so everybody knows. That's where I learned a lot about like, okay, well like, record deals at this stage in the game don't make sense there's no reason that me at 14 would ever need a record deal but unfortunately was that on the table for oh you? yeah mm. there were people but quote unquote air quotes record deals you know there's people that wave these things in front of you and say oh record deal and as young artists and young musicians we're taught that you hear that those words and you jump at it you, but you didn't know what terms to be looking at in terms of like, oh, they don't the masters, you're contracted, like, no, well, you got to be doing this. I had no idea. And then I started reading, actually reading through it, and I was like, this doesn't feel right. You know? And, and so that's where I started to gain a lot of this, like, oh, man, like, you don't really need a record label or this or that. Like, you can just be who you are and succeed how you want to succeed and succeed how the universe, you know, decides you're going to succeed. And you don't need this whole, like, you know... Obviously, you need a team, especially when you get to a point where it's like, okay, like, I can't do this on my own anymore. But at 14 years old, 15 years old with, you know, 300 fans and one big, you know, like, battle of bands under your belt, there's no no way that you would need somebody else to validate you with a record deal, in my opinion. I learned a lot about, like, just the music business through that and um, how to be professional, genuinely. Like, how to, like, say, okay, like... When we show up to gigs, this is how we handle it. When we book gigs, this is how we handle it. And it's I, something. It's something I I know I internalize. It's just like that's just as important as the quality of your performance. Is how you are off stage. I, yeah. There was one musician I did a gig with him in New York. He invited me to come up to, and a lot of things went wrong mm-hmm. that shouldn't have, like because mm-hmm. of the way he set it up and and different things. And and he was pissing some people off, and I was just kind of like, dude, you got to like think about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, these guys aren't going to want to play with you again. No, it's true. It's true. And and I and I don't want to say that, like, I had the talent initially because I didn't. You know, like, I, I grew into what I am now. But the thing that did not come naturally to me was the the savvy. Like, the, okay, like, this is how you actually carry yourself. This is the etiquette. This is how it works, you know. I, and to be honest, like, 
when I was alone as an only child, like with a single parent, like what I did to, for fun is I sat in my room and I played guitar and I wrote songs. And when I got the opportunity to play on stage, which is something I'd always wanted to do and people were receptive to it, it was like kind of like, oh no, like this is mine. Like I don't want, I don't mm. want other people to start trying to manipulate this into w what they want it to be. Like this is mine. And um, yeah, so so I think it, it kind of solidified the whole idea that this is for sure what I want to do with my life. But it was fun. It was fun. It was a good springboard. It was it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sounds like yeah, you you early on caught that idea of like this is what matters to me mm -hmm. and uh who as you moved into like the local music scene mm -hmm. who have you seen um i know that um one of the things you were talking about just a minute ago reminded me of uh you started what what is it called at the, the urban winery at the cle urban winery oh, the round table, the, the round table sessions yeah. um and the one i went to most recently was sean brewster uh, hopeful future guest of the show mm -hmm. uh, is um, <clears throat> it was about booking mm -hmm. in in the in the Cleveland area, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, in yeah. general, like things about booking. And during the course of it, it, it dawned on me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a booker, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least for like this show, because some of the things mm -hmm. he was talking about, what a venue wants from you, and he talked about how like respond to emails, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it was about the function more than like how good you are. Yeah. Like these venues need you to be organized. They need you to answer questions. They need you to give them the right answers. Mm -hmm. And don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. And I tell people like, so it, it's kind of funny because I have, uh, I, I taught kids for a couple of years for about like three or four years. And um, I just recently stopped coaching just to pursue my own, you know, creative endeavors. And one of the biggest things that these kids have trouble with when they start a band is like, how do I find the right people? And I always tell them, dedication over talent. And I think that's sometimes true in even our professional sense. Like, you might be the best guitar player in the entire world, but if you don't work to bring a draw, if you don't work to promote your show, if you don't work to be, um, you know, nice to the people booking, if you don't, like, interact with your fans, what is there? Yeah. You know? So I, I always try to be that person, like, to be dedicated and interested in more than just the hey i'm playing on a stage pay attention to me a, a friend of mine said i got I, a friend of mine wrote a play um called mike about the open mic scene oh, we cool. were in and like with a you know one guy based on this stand-up comic and another guy based uh, and, and then this woman based on this really absurd comedy rock band and then he wrote a guitarist who was an amalgamation of me and this other guy who was the house guitarist at the cool. mic. And like, so the guitarist, like, um, I got to play it and I said, this is re this feels really cool. Like, I, I want to be someone who they make a biopic about. I don't want to yeah. be an actor playing. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, it's like, it just felt like an achievement. I'm like, someone wrote like a character based That's on so shit cool. I said. That's cool. That's awesome. And because I, I, you know, I think in, it's in the play to some degree. It, where I connected with is talking about like, you know, it matters that like I'm happy because mm -hmm. someone, there's a conflict, there's a scene that I, I've used as a monologue since where the, the, this woman's like wondering how she's going to make it to the next thing. She's trying to be an actress. She's the host of the mic. And uh, my character basically says to her, like, cause she's kind of shitting on the open mic. Like I'm stuck here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, 
and he comes back or like every fucking night that I'm on the stage is another night that I'm just glad to be alive. Exactly. And I'm exactly. happy. I'm so happy that I'm playing music every night. And that's the thing. And that's, and that's, you know, so you mentioned something about like how like through my journey, I might've like, especially when you first start getting recognized for being whoever you are, whether that's, you know, like super talented or super like charismatic or whatever, when you first start getting that attention, it's really, really easy to fall away from the essential self and fall away from your true character. And, you know, that's been my whole MO, like over the past couple of months has been like, okay, like since the American Idol thing, like I went in there like with a really good, strong sense of self. I felt like even when I was working with Deb, like I felt like I was truly essentially who I was meant to be. And I, I was so thankful to wake up every day. And I was so thankful that I got to spread not only just like my love of music, but also help other people express themselves. And I was really doing the work I was meant to do. Then American Idol happened and like, boom, as soon as I got done with that, like something in my heart and my spirit just sank. And I've been spending the time from then until now. And I'm talking like straight up, like probably in the past like three weeks, I finally have gotten back to this, this point where it's like, okay, like I'm good. Like, and it's all rooted in stillness. I wanted to ask you right at the top, you know, if you open the American Idol door, <laughs> what questions do you not want to answer about I American will, Idol? I will like, answer, are you get do you get asked to the point where you're like, no, never, never, because I mean, I feel like genuinely every experience I go through is so that I can either educate somebody else on it, so that I can inspire somebody else, or so that I can learn and grow. Now, let me ask you this: Have you since gone back and watched the show, like leading up to the point where you're cut? No. Because that's what Deb and I experience is like watching and all we'd catch is like these hot glimpses and yeah. B-roll yeah. of you pa- walking across yeah. the building or like, yeah, you know, you have that still of yeah. you playing and like Which coming Which made sure up. that you would be on the next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we kept like, okay. And then the only time they showed you was when you were sad to be there. Yeah. Or that you were sad that you were going yeah. like any human being or but whatever. You but you know what? I, I look back on it and I'm like, okay, it could have been so much worse. The only thing I got featured Well, saying, success, one of my favorite mm-hmm. quotes and the first things I underlined from one of my first or my favorite authors mm-hmm. that I ever remember underlining by him is success can eliminate as many options as failure. Yes. Like if you'd have gone up the American Idol trajectory and think about like, would I have gotten what I wanted out of that yeah. or would I have been fighting a, a battle for yeah. identity? And and when I came out of that, I, th- I came up with something similar. The success is, or failure is the seed of success. So, you know, like- Failing, and, and I tell That's everybody, I tell everybody even now, like, man, like, I wrote a song about it. I wrote The River all about that whole thing. So The River is the first track on my, like, solo EP, and it's all about, like, the whole first line is, I'll go out west, I'll kneel at the foot of the table, pray the idols like me best, but I'll come home either way, you know? So, like, whether I would have succeeded or failed in anybody's eyes, I would have ended up right in the same spot.
Take a Charlie break. Charlie, quick. what's hi, up, brah? Do you want to say hi to our guest, Charlie? Charlie. You're not a shy person. Yeah, Charlie's the least shy. Yeah, talking about the guy who put on a suit and a bow tie and a and a skeleton mask and walked around the crowd at Phantom of the Opera. I'm into it. The whole place was just like, oh my god. I love it. Did you have a phantom outfit? Who liked our Instagram picture of your phantom? Did the phantom's understudy like your Instagram picture? I love it. <laughs> we got like actors from the play. Well, I was going to have you just sit here and listen a little bit, but if you're going to be shy, I'll just bring you back upstairs. You can sit and listen, Charlie. Do you want to sit and listen? 
Whatever you'd like to you do. You can't be super um, shy, though. You have to look this way. If what's what's the point of coming down if you're just gonna look out the window? You can Hello, look Charlie. Out the window upstairs. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Welcome Charlie. to adult time. <laughs> it's adult time with Charlie. Would you like some tea? Nine o'clock is your <laughs> You know when you pass those highway, you pass those big signs on the highway that say adult. This is what they're doing. This is it. They're sitting around <laughs> having discussions and reflecting on their lives. And their long tea. adult lives. And, and sipping tea. tea. We have an assortment of flavors. <laughs> Herbal, black. Caffeinated, uncaffeinated. All right, goofball. Now you have seen who Daddy is speaking. It is me. It is Madeline. We've met say, several times. Say goodnight. You don't have to, Charlie. I know you believe it. Oh, we'll goodbye. See you later. Buenas noches. We'll see your face. I'll turn you again. Oh, adieu, Charlie. Adieu. You're going to be dizzy. All right, let's go. Adieu, Charlie. Charlie, say goodnight. Goodnight, Charlie. Oh, you're getting heavy. Goodnight. Do you blow kisses at least? Bounce it off the wall. Blow a kiss at the wall. It'll bounce back. We're going to let them get back to their conversation. Good night, Charlie. This has been your Charlie break. You know, you I said you didn't have to play music, but will will you write me a little for the Charlie? I can I can do that. Ain't any old time. Something that I'll just you know I'll just use from now on because that has happened now for at least two or three shows. I love it. My aunt used to have this this lullaby that she would sing to my cousin and I, Jonathan. Uh, We were the same age. We had different mothers, but we looked exactly the same. Cute. And we did not like going to sleep. This is not my podcast. I'm continuing. Um, <laughs> and I remember we're still in a Charlie break, technically, <laughs> until Deb returns. And I remember sitting on the couch at night. They lived in Medina, and I would always beg to come to Aunt Vicky's house and to hang out with Jonathan. But at nighttime, we did not want to go to sleep. And she would come downstairs, and she would plop on the couch, and she'd say, "Would you like me to sing you a lullaby?" <laughs> and we'd say, "Yes." We weren't up in the bed, we weren't in our sleeping bags, we weren't in our pajamas, probably even, and then she would begin, and it went like this. Good night, sweetheart. It's time for bed. And then she would move her body and she'd go, but on 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 Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> it was like bad to the bone. Lay down your head. And then we would think, we know how it goes now, and then she would change it and she'd go, It's time for dreaming, and I for screaming. (laughs) Good night, sweetheart. It's time for bed. And then she would just stare at us, (laughs) and she would wait for us to go. That's how that went. My face hurts. My face hurts. My face like a 10 at the snort count. Oh, my yeah. face hurts so bad. That was so going in the podcast. Bow down. This is why we like the audience. I stepped away. Where on earth did that come wow. from? Wow. Oh, my God. Oh. You know what? I'll listen later. You, you, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so glad that we recorded that for posterity. Oh, goodness. Give it up for Cass. Just. Audience MVP with that story and that song. I think we're done here. I think I think, I think we can wrap. I don't think we can top that. Good night, Maddie, Cleveland. have a good career. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> it's time for bed. <laughs> In parentheses. Ugh.
Do you want to go See, Deb, to Deb made up a lullaby for the boys. She just tweaked Rockabye Baby mm-hmm. so that it's not horrifying. Well, it's horrible. Because, you know, yeah. you have like a little baby and it's just like, I hope you don't fucking fall out of the tree and die. <laughs> Good night. See you later, Bran Flakes. No, so I, I changed it to, uh, well, we're not all singing lullaby. I'm going to start so singing. So you got to do it now. It's happening. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Rockabye Baby. Safe in my arms. Uh, good night to your smiles, your laughs, and your charms. Oh, God. When you wake up, the day will be new, and Mama will be here waiting for you. <laughs> will you sing my lullaby like that? Right? I'm gonna make sure it's yes in the podcast and. You need to like copyright that. Copyright my no. You should give that to the world. Off. That's so much the world better. would enjoy that. Yes. that's okay should, if I that's give that's a freebie. Mm-hmm. We'll know where it came from. We're never gonna be rich, Brian. No. We might as well just give. How? Public domain. We're gonna make yeah. It's public domain. Boom. Done. I did it. Decided. You didn't see it, but I slapped my hand down very authoritatively on my. It chair. happened. I saw it. No, yeah. I should. I should record that though, just for. Uh, um, so children aren't terrified. Oh across yeah, the just for that when they grow up. I can give it to Heather. She can play it at the. They can give it to their grandkids. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be. A, I mean, it's such a. It's. I, I. When you sang that, I was just like, "Where'd you hear that version of it?" And she's like, "I made it up because fuck that one." I love it. <laughs> I'm not singing that to someone I love. <laughs> hey, don't fall, bitch. Why yeah. am I up here in the first place, mom? <laughs> That's the question. Don't tell me to like watch out. Don't tell me. <laughs> This has been right. one of the most fun tangents. <laughs> what a Charlie break that Why was. Why is the baby oh. in the tree? <laughs> what kind of it's mom intense. are you? Ba, da, 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 da. How else are we going to teach you to sleep through the night? Hold still! <laughs> You'll fall! I love it. I'm into it. I love everything about it. Oh. Anyway, coming back. Wow. Coming back to... I don't even know where you were. I don't know how you I got I want to be buried. I think... I love it. We were talking about the rock off. Yeah. Um, that's the yeah. thing I did. No, I was, yeah, so I was saying, uh, so Charlie came down and I was talking about. Bye. So cool. much for that, that antenna. I love it yeah. here. <laughs> that's our, what's supposed to be a better antenna. I'm into it. Ooh, I'm here. I'm ready for it. I might cry. This is awesome. <laughs> We're gonna need more tea. <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger kettle. <laughs> all right, all right. Composure. We're all here. Right. We're doing it. Poplar towers over the attic means it's been there for some time. Witnessed things fall apart. Feared it may be the last of its kind Seen brothers fall in sacrifice Laid underneath my feet Still vigilantly stood a watch Since 1780 How can I Thank you, you innocent thing for holding.
don't bother me I think they like the songs I sing If only not a couple times Just to remind me to get out of here Was like this crazy thing, and I, I really well, haven't the, looked back. The one back. thing I will say though that mm-hmm. you kind might would have had to have counter mm-hmm. if they have if they had have zeroed in on you because I don't know where it comes from. You know, mm-hmm. Deb's had a little glimpse behind the reality pr- um, video mm-hmm. production. Well, curtain. I just listening to you talk about like your American Idol thing and how it just like threw you off your base and everything. It just it's such a having worked in television, having worked in an editing room. I don't know if I've told you this before, but just like. There's so many things that make things just hit the cutting room floor mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with exactly. whether or not it was good. Like it very well may have, they may have cut a whole thing and they're like, well, there's two Maddies. Yeah. That literally could have, could have been it. Or they're just like, okay, well we need to, we need five more minutes. We need to cut, we need five more minutes somewhere. And I don't know, there's two Maddies. The it, the thing though is that if they just zeroed in on you and like yeah let's tell her story, they'd like edit it up, mm-hmm. like what they'd show of you like talking, and exactly. they'd create this character of Madeline Finn mm-hmm. that if you weren't watching the show or having someone tell you like they're showing you like the, <laughs> yeah exactly because they can do all sorts of things with you, and then if then you have to like fight back against and you have to that or you end. have to live up to it you or have to yes decide. and that's why I say. It could have been worse, you know, because I, I thought genuinely like I, I was they switched my audition time so that I would have time to talk to Ryan Seacrest. They sw- like there were things where I was like, OK, like this is real. 
Like they're into me like this is happening. And then when I found like when I found that the only thing that they had mentioned or the only thing they had shown was me sobbing, saying, I just have to come out on the other side like I've done since I was a kid, which is true, you know, like and, and then hugging Katy Perry, like what a story of perseverance. If my one line is about like, you know, like picking yourself back up, I'm happy. But the most important part of that, and this is the thing, this is what I'm learning. My whole experience is not dictated by what I decide it's going to be dictated by. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's not my decision as to how I'm going to be the, how do I'm going to do the work I'm meant to do. So I got really upset after that. And I was really sad and I just like down the most expensive gin and tonic I've ever had and it was awful. And um, I caught one of the producers on the stairway in the Roosevelt Hotel and she's like, Maddie, I'm so sorry this happened and all this stuff. And I was like, man, it's just not my thing. Like this is just not my thing. And me being me, I meant reality TV. Like reality TV is not my thing. And she thought I meant music in general. And so two weeks later I get this email from this producer and she says, you know, this is your thing is the subject. And she sent me like a page of just, I hope you understand that like you are so meant to do this. This is so important. And the thing that made me feel the most warm about it, she said, this whole Hollywood week, which is grueling. It's awful. It's hard. You wake up at 5 a.m. You don't go to sleep until like two. It's it's hard. And this, And she said to me, out of all of the people there, I was the only one that asked, how are you guys? What can I do for you? What do you need? To the staff, to the production team. And and they said that what I, my my essence and my character and, and all that was a light to them during that time. And I've come to terms with if all I was there to do was to brighten the day of the people that are supposed to work there and do that thing, like I am so content with it. So, you know, it, it might have been sad and it might have been a tough time, but I, I truly believe that I did the job I was meant to do. And whether that was what I envisioned or not, I'm I'm proud of it and I'm happy. So, yeah. Stop for an audio hug. Audio hug! Uh, <laughs> so what was that? Is that going on over a year now? Yeah, it's been just actually, it's so funny. Wow. So about a year ago, like April 4th, I think is the day. April 4th is the day I registered my business. And I decided to be a full-time musician around the same time that American Idol, like, aired. So that whole that whole little April, May of last year was, like, just a shitstorm of awesome. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Yeah, I just am remembering it now. That's cool. With um, the incorporation of your business now, you are targeting uh, using Patreon. And, so, and yeah. did you have a Kickstarter as well? So I started, I did a Kickstarter for my first EP. So when I was doing Envoy and it got all this like, that's my pop punk project. Um, when that got kind of all this, all this um, speed behind it and it turned into this big thing that I just couldn't control, that's when I got real sick and like had to do the whole like rehab thing and all that junk and when I came out of that the whole dynamic of the group had changed our, our drummer had moved and I was like okay like I guess I just won't play music and so I was just waiting tables and then like I got the itch I was like okay I can't not do this so I started the Whiskey Hollow and I remember sitting with my buddy Ray Flanagan in my apartment in Lakewood being like hey man I got this idea like for the Civil Warsy thing, like, what if we did something called the Whiskey Hollow that was you and I as a duo? 
it just ended up working out as a duo, but I, I went and I recorded the songs. It took me nine months to record these songs, and I did a Kickstarter for, what, I think it might have been five grand, and it it did well. And then I didn't start the Patreon until about last year when I started the business. And, um, yeah, it's been insane. I've got, like, 64. It, it, it kind of moves between 64 to, to 70 on any given month, depending on what people's financial situation are. The whole, the whole, I just, I just revamped everything on my Patreon. I changed all the tiers. I changed all the goals to either every, every single reward either challenges me to connect or create. And that is not what it was doing beforehand. It was like, oh, I I guess I'll just slap up this lyric sheet that I made like three months ago. You have accountability. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm realizing Patreon is, is not about collecting money to be able to do what you want to do. It's about creating a community that will sustain and so I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I have all these people that are just so, like, into it. So, you know, I've been doing, like, cover full cover videos. I've been doing full updates. I'm sending postcards when I'm on my travels. Yeah, I'm doing live concerts every, every month. And they, it challenges me so much to be truly and authentically myself. And that's why I love it. And, again, like, over in the, in the past three or four weeks, I've gotten back to this point where I'm like, oh, this is why. This is why I do this because it's so easy when you're doing this full time to get clouded by like, oh, God, how am I going to pay my rent? And when you realize like, oh, if I just focus on the thing that like makes me the happiest, like it'll all work out one way or another. So and then you layer into that navigating the world of live gigs. Yeah. Um, Do you find that you've reached a point, at least regionally, that you can just book at will? Yeah, it is nice. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm at that point now. But to be honest with you, the American Idol card helps. Do you yeah. have someone that fields um, negotiation business stuff? Is it you a one woman show? So um, Wallace over the Grog Shop was doing some work for the Whiskey Hollow, but the Whiskey Hollow is in a little bit of a pickle, um, and we're just kind of navigating that. So Whiskey Hollow stuff's kind of on hold for a little it's bit. Whiskey full. Yes, <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little bit uh it's a little bit um touchy right now but it we've we're navigating it we're making it through but for my own like when I tour all over the country and all that stuff I facilitate all that myself so um but what I've been doing recently how I normally decide to do it is it's a lot less expensive for me to travel as a solo artist than it is for me to bring a band right so if I can go to all these places as a solo artist and say like hey this is a great place with a really awesome built-in crowd with people who love what I'm doing and, and are getting value from what I'm creating. I'll be like, okay, it might be cost effective and it might be, you know, like energy effective to bring the band here. And so if I play someplace and I'm like, ah, like I'm not getting a vibe, I don't bring the band back. But if I play solo and then I come back with the band, it just, it makes sense Mm -hmm. to me. So that's, that's how I've been doing most of the things, but I've been able to book kind of at whim, especially just to kind of fuel my travels because that's where my heart is at is just in being in all these different places all the time. So yeah, a couple of restaurant gigs here and there, um, you know, but mostly just be in places where I'm wanted and all that good stuff. Now, uh, getting into, uh, region or, or beyond regional, mm-hmm. uh, gigging, um, how do you approach that with Finding venues, approaching them, do you just rely on you have connections in different cities yeah. or do you know how to cold call? I know both. And I think that's what you need. Do you take like scouting trips, I imagine? Because we were in there. Mm-hmm. There's a really uh, sixth, sixth City Sounds. It's a cool name. It's tough to say. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> got a great logo. But they hosted uh, this what they call a mixing session yep, for the I did community. The, I did the one on for for women in music, and, and they, they had just the, did the DIY stuff. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and they were talking about and great stuff came out of that talking about how. Cleveland, you know, like, or one of the things that we need to adopt, and it, it, a hashtag was born on stage, was uh, DIT, do it together, mm-hmm. do it together, Cleveland. Oh, so true. And I see a lot of that with, like, just like Ray Flanagan, the way he, like, he plays with damn near everybody. Mm-hmm. He's just a, he's a, he's a workhorse of the, the music scene, or exactly. the grassroots music scene around mm-hmm. here. And, um, I forget where I was trailing off with this, but we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about booking beyond regionally, booking nationally. Yes. Oh, yes. And so um, with, but they were, one of the things they we were talking about why that's important and things like what Brett Kirby does is that some income, someone coming in from out of town could learn about that and find these places and know mm-hmm. how to go there, find the Cleveland music community. Exactly. And they're like, oh, you have a show. Can I get in front of you next time I'm in town? Exactly. And, and I think a lot of it does. So the way I see it is a lot of it starts with connection. And a lot of it ends with, for lack of a better word, cold calling. It ends with just being able to be personable. Um, so how a lot of these shows get booked is I'll say, oh, like, for instance, for our last run to Nashville, um, I went to, I went on tour with AJ in the Woods as their drummer down to Louisiana and I played drums at a show in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky and it was awesome and it was so much fun and I made a point to talk to the owner and say hey like this is who I am this is what I do like yeah I'm really happy to be here and then when it was time for me to tour I sent him a message and I said hey this is who I am this is what I do I don't know if you remember me but blah, blah, blah. And I sent him my whole spiel. I have this whole email cold call like system set up and it works, you know, and, you know, or then I've got, or if I have somebody like in it's, that's how it works. Genuinely. I go and I put a face to a name and then I remind them of, of who I am and ask for what I want. And most of the time it works because I was a good human when I talked to them in the first place. We can wrap it up 
So is your creative process uh, become disciplined or is it spontaneous yeah. and you're just aware of like when it hits you to catch it or do you like, no, I found you have to set the times to be creative. I can't set times. I mean, I'll go. Weeks. set it aside at least. Yeah, no, I, I even can't even. I try to set aside time every day to at least at least hold my guitar, at least touch it, at least play it for a minute. And it told me to do that. Exactly. That was but, my advice, yeah. Maddie. <laughs> yeah, just 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 hold it. Just hold your guitar, and if something comes, great. But when you start putting pressure, and when you start saying like, okay, like I'm gonna write something right now, you're not writing it for the right reasons, nor are you writing the thing that you're supposed to be writing because you're overthinking it. And in our sense of, you know, for this like ego mind tries to take take over and say like oh well this is what you should write about you're shooting all over yourself you start shooting all over yourself when you start trying to write something at a certain point how my creative process process works is there's there's days where i'll try to write and i'll feel the juices and i'll be like all right like something's coming and i'll write two or three starts to something i'll be like eh, nothing's clicking take a walk come back try again and boom it hits or I'll be literally in so much emotional turmoil that I cannot do anything else. You know, because how this all started was so that I could have a coping mechanism with being lonely when I was a kid. And so I was like, okay, like, I guess this is how I cope now. So when I'm in, like, crazy emotional turmoil, like, I've had panic, like, been mid-panic attack and been like, okay, gotta, gotta write a song. We're good. And I'll, like, pick up my guitar and I'll start writing. So there's a song called When It's Dark on the EP as well. And that came out of one of those moments. I was having like, it's a really long story that I don't care to get into, but long story short, I was really fearful and really paranoid in a certain moment. Do you want to record a bonus episode for that for I can use for the Patreon? Sure, just yeah. That story yeah, sometime? we can do or that. Or do you need to get really drunk to tell that story? No, it's a good, it's a, it's a good story. It's a good story. But so, so long story short, I was feeling so like, like afraid and worried and paranoid and these things were happening like I, I was getting calls left and right from these people that were I was really afraid of and all these things and I built it up to be something so massive in my mind that I couldn't let it go so I was like okay I have no choice but to write about it right now so I took out my guitar and I started writing and I started writing when it's dark and I didn't finish that song until I got to the mansion where I recorded that EP but I had the bones of it and that's how every song happens for me there's some sort of trigger that's like oh this is why I need to write this like the river I wrote in the lobby of the Roosevelt Hotel 
after I got cut from American Idol. And then I had a security guard tell me that I couldn't, I couldn't be there. <laughs> like, I remember, like, the voice memo on my phone has me singing the song, and then you can hear the security guard being like, hey, you can't be up here, like, because you got cut, and, like, this is only for people who made it. You know what, though? That, that, is, an, it's, that is a discipline. You think so? It's not, it's not scheduled, mm-hmm. but to feel that mm-hmm. and recognize its importance yeah. and be like, I have to record this. Sorry, you can yell at me, security. You know, yeah. to me, that is a discipline and it's a good one. I, I just started recently adopting that. Really? But it's more when I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to music or a podcast and I suddenly, if anything, it just makes me think of something sometimes it'll be like oh someone i want to ta- have this person on the podcast mm-hmm. or I, this topic in the news yeah I, like because i'm listening to a political podcast I'm like that too and then i'll realize i haven't listened to the podcast for five minutes and i have to rewind it because yep. i was in my own thoughts you were being in your own. i've d- adopted the discipline of like i pause the podcast i open my voice recorder and i talk about what was so damn important that i couldn't listen no that makes and sense. then i i find i will find i will talk for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. And it'll just be okay. It's everything. I can like turn yeah. it off and I'll listen. I'll start the podcast over again. And sometimes, you and it's it. really been good. Yeah, I haven't gone back. I'm not. I'm not going to like. I don't think there's anything I'd put out again. I don't even know if I'm going to listen to them again. Exactly. But just taking that time to verbalize it made it like I I acted on those ideas later. That's cool. That's really cool because sometimes you use it, sometimes you don't. And that's I think it's just getting it out. And that's my thing. Like there's just moments in my in my existence where. I have, I feel a lot, like I feel a lot of things <laughs> and I used to cope with them in really unhealthy ways and I realized that my talent could also be used as this mechanism to rise above my emotions and my own thoughts and so yeah, that's why I do it. I just, and I thought, oh, maybe somebody else would feel that way listening to the thing that I made and they do sometimes, which is really cool. So yeah, that's why I do it. I remember one of the most interesting thing that, things that came out of the Ray Flanagan uh, interview. Uh, I forget how it came Oh, up. you talked to him? He was my first guest. Uh, he was the first one on the Little stage. Bean. We have so much fun. I love yeah. that human. We've spent a lot of time. We grew up together, essentially, in high school. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that human. He, um, he asked the question. He's like, do you think artists are sick? Hmm. Like that, you know, that we need to that do That sounds this. like a question he would ask. That, well, it's kind of saying like, what if you hadn't discovered perform- like writing music and mm. like you still needed to cope with this? I wouldn't be here. Whatever it was <laughs> that was, you know, co- like, cause it's, whether it was your circumstances or it was just the way your brain was taking the world, mm-hmm. but music is the valve mm-hmm. that lets no, the agree. steam out, you know. Wow, that's that's a poignant question, and I feel like I I have it as a sickness because I I became well I found my people through, you know when I started doing arts and theater, I found like my tribe. Yeah, and then when I you know, I would do plays in high school and then in college and then I, I ended up uh, moving to New York, but not for the right reasons. Like I was following someone. Yeah. And just there for a relationship. And mm-hmm. this is actually my car thoughts were about this today. I was thinking about someone I wanted to interview from my improv days. And it led me down this rabbit hole of how my first marriage crumbled. Whoa. And because I was thinking about like I walked away from improv because I was I was going like, you know, I'd meet up with my team to practice like maybe once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have a show every couple of weeks. And I always felt this unspoken like 
disapproval from my wife. Like she was mm-hmm. like, I want you home. We're going to watch our shows, you know? Yeah. Or to do things with her all the time. And she was more demanding that I was home than Deb ever has been. <laughs> and we have fucking kids. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And anyway, so I left improv because I was like, I, you know, need to focus on my marriage. You know, I think, you know, I felt like, and six months later, we did separate. Interesting. And that's when I threw myself into like music and whatever. But I I was doing improv because I moved to New York. And as an actor, if you're not trying to make it Mm -hmm. and be a serious actor, there's no place for you. Yeah. So I, I like needed to satiate that like performance bug. And so it came in improv. And then when I was out of that marriage, I didn't go back to improv. I decided to try stand-up. And then I found music. Nice. And I haven't felt the need to go back to, like, theater since I have these things. Because I just, like, ah, what I need, getting up and performing. Yeah. I didn't realize until talking to some musicians who are, like, you know, even Deb included, saying, like, you know, the stage fright or anxiety about Mm -hmm. That at least I I had that taken care of with a theater background. Yeah, I, my stage fright, I never had it. I mean, and I still have moments where there's there's days where I'm like, oh, I'm nervous. Well, I never remember yeah. having it either. Maybe which is why I was like, oh yeah, theater, I'll do that. He's I'm crazy, fine. right? Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's like I just yeah. You know, and I think it's weird, and this might be like going way too far, but I think also like being an only child with a single parent, raised in the church, there's a part you play. You know, and when you're looking for acceptance as a kid, like there's this part you play. And if you're, you know, the most outspoken about your belief and you're the most outspoken about, you know, why you do what you do and all these other things, which I I might have taken with me now, you know, because that's my whole MO. My whole thing is like, this is how I'm more than just a musician. Like, and even in church when I was a kid, it was like, this is why I love God and this is why God is so important and all these other things. I think it's all about this part. I think about you, you play that part over and over and over every Sunday, every Wednesday for youth group. And it it gets you over the stage fright situation, in my opinion. Like I spent, and especially being a gay kid, I played this part for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know. Now were you in, uh, was your church one like, you know, Unitarian or, or was, (laughs) was, was there more drama involved? It was the most. I think Mikey Silas talked a bit about like, you know, when he, it was sort of, interesting generation generationally for me we're not i mean we're not that far of an age but he mm-hmm. just seemed like oh in his environment he said like i you know i knew i was gay and i couldn't wait to tell people i wasn't worried about it at all yeah and- see for me my whole life was the church my whole like you could be in my household it was like you could be in two things you could do like a sport like it was like three things like a sport a uh like an extracurricular and no matter what, you always had to do church. So no matter what two things I want to do, whether it was like band practice and marching band, the third thing always had to be church. And like not just go to church every Sunday, like it was church like extracurricular. Yeah, it was like youth group. It was I was on the praise team. Like that's how I that's how I learned to play music. It's because I was yes, the praise team, the team for Ooh. praise. Woot woot, amen. The the, um, the 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 priest said cheerleaders. Yes, essentially. <laughs> But so I think they are you sure it wasn't just choir? No, no, Isn't no. That no. What the praise team? The praise team. It was so. Uh, my church was like. Have you ever seen Mean Girls? Yeah. You are you familiar with the scene where Regina George's mom says, "I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom." You know. Mm-hmm. That's how my church was. It was like, oh, we're not like a regular church. We're a cool church. What branch of Christianity? Non-denominational. 
Oh, just like we're 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 ad hoc Christian. Just Jesus is pretty good. Yeah, all the details. I, I don't know. Ask me, and I'll tell you what I think. So it was more of like a let's not pigeonhole ourselves into a corner. It was just we believe in the Bible and all that stuff. So it was non denominational. That's specific. Yes, and um, you know, so I I uh, was a child. And I grew up in that whole situation. And then I was like, ooh, music. I like music. Let's do that. And so I learned a lot about chord charts. And when I had questions, our like praise band leaders would tell, like answer the questions. And when I wanted to play drums, they let me play drums. And when I wanted to play bass, they let me play bass. And it was an awesome outlet. And that's how I learned like most of everything. Because I've never had lessons. Like I've never had lessons in anything except maybe drums. Because I was in marching band. But everything else was just, I learned how to do what I do because of Jesus, which was kind of interesting and fun. Um, praise him. Praise be Praise, praise, praise team. And <laughs> That's going to sound so creepy. <laughs> praise team. And uh, yeah, so like, I mean, it wasn't all bad. Like during the time that I came out the first time, because I had to go back in the closet because Satan twisted our sister Luban, like all this crazy stuff. And it, and it wasn't any fault of my my mom or my church or anything and i and i realize this now it was all out of love and and during that time it was really it was a pretty taboo issue you know and being 14 and i look back on it and i'm like child you're 14 you have no idea nor do you need to know about your sexuality like i guess in in some respects but i don't know it was it was tough because when i did come out the whole uh rug just kind of got pulled out from under me and then I didn't have a place to play music anymore and so I was like okay what do I do and so I joined the songwriting class where the dude was like hey you can't sing (laughs) I was like okay I won't and then it spawned into Maddie Finn Maddie Finn which spawned into Envoy which spawned in the Whiskey Hollow and it all just kind of uh, turned into what it is now well that's where you're lucky is that like that whole that religion filled as a community mm-hmm. for you but it was also a vehicle for your passion oh yeah that your passion was still there for you and that's the thing that i find that we don't go to church and we have we see no reason to it is because it's the music community like no matter where we yeah. are i feel like we're always gonna like that's why there was no fear of moving to new york it's like we go to the open mics in the grassroots mm-hmm. scene and you will find your people and it's yeah. great and i like i i've said before or to like friends like open mics feel like the great like anti-church <laughs> instead of one person gets up and tells everyone what to think like an open mic everyone get up and tell everyone what you think I love that. and what you it's have and celebrate your it. gifts that's like open mics are church to me because i try to get at least once a week the way that like my grandfather would be like you know in the twilight of years he was going to church every day i'm like all right you're like, you do you you do <laughs> yeah it makes you happy <laughs> No, that's that's insane. You know, I I I love that. Most of my spirituality now is all centered around like my quiet time and like my me time. Uh, and and I would love to start bringing in more of a fellowship aspect to it, but I have to be so protective with my energy just because I am kind of susceptible to this whole like emotion thing. You know, if somebody talks about like a murder mystery they saw on Netflix, I'm like that's so sad and I feel really bad for like a whole week. So you I have, have to, like hyper empathy. I think so. Um, is that a thing? Is that actual I, hyperactivity is a thing? I don't know, but the the empathetic side of me, I think, allows me to do my job. Oh well, that the you need I that can. to be a good 
actor, certainly to be a good musician. Yeah. Like if you're gonna write, especially from a writer, if you're the, mm-hmm. the if you're a songwriter singer, mm-hmm. then <laughs> the the words are you know as much as like about writing an experience that people relate to on top yeah. of like you. No, it makes sense. So like I've just got this. I have to be so protective of my energy, and so I, I try to really curate who I spend my time with and the things I do, who I, who I allow in my home. Now is this getting from just like the trappings of success? No, it's just, I, I've just realized just like you are very careful about who's around. I, I have to be, you know, I, and when I'm in my, when I'm in my element, when I'm like in at a show or doing whatever I need to do, like I can be open, I can be vulnerable. I can spend that energy. I can hold space for all those people but when it when it is i'm in my home like it's difficult because i want to still hold this i still i, I don't know it, it's hard for me to spend all that energy it makes so much sense though to just think of like what it is um, cuz we don't gig to with any regular frequency but i do like after i do it and it's like we and we play like to a big room or and we play like a whole hour set or something to whatever degree we're playing and you come off that like ah like mm-hmm. and just giving yourself like that long, the physicality of it, mm-hmm. the fact that you put so much emotion yeah, into singing. If you're if you're an emotional singer, like you know, I think all of us are. Yeah. Where, because I know that carried me more than like the quality of my vocals is that I'm trying to like and really that's, feel and it I, when and I, I sing it. And I think that's with me and too. And that's a thing where it's like, <sighs> okay, yeah. I'm drained and I don't. I, I yeah. Yeah. I need my space. And that's the thing. And at the end of the day, like even at shows, like. The whole, like I said, the whole reason I do what I do is to create and to connect. And if I can connect during the show, and if I can connect uh, at certain times afterwards, and all those other things, that's great. But when it is my time to be with, it, you know, it's the whole like stupid thing that you hear on every podcast self help thing ever. Put your own oxygen mask on before you put everybody else's on. You know, I've only heard that on planes, but so I don't listen to self help. Th- well, I'm a super self help nerd, so like everybody's like, you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others, yes. and. And so, you know, that's how I take care of myself is I, for lack of a better word, like one of my biggest values is quality. And I try to make sure that the quality of, of my friendships, the quality of my food, the quality of my beer, the quality of my travels, they're all high, you know? So it's, it's, it's. So you're an elitist. I suppose. <laughs> no, I'm just, I have a curated life. I have a curated life. I try Deliberate. to... Deliberate. Yes. Intentional. Yeah. Intentional. Everything I do, I do with intention, or I at least try to. And, um, you know, I, I, I try not to surround myself with energy that makes me feel bad. So... So what do you have on the horizon that you're excited about? Or so are you much. nice to be just like, I'm moving along at a nice pace? No, it? there's a lot. This month is going to be insane. Um I guess I could. When is when is this coming out? Probably I'm gonna get it out next week, like on Monday. Okay. So we're recording this on uh, April the Tuesday, April the ninth. So on April nineteenth, which will be a few days from now, um, there's a big thing that's about to happen, and I can't talk about it, but I'm really excited for it, and I really want to talk about it. So you just kind of have to keep tabs on on things and such. You can sign up for Patreon. You can sign up for the email. And those people will be the first ones to get the whole barrage of things. But other than that, just kind of stay tuned. That's going to be massive. Like, massive, massive. And then in July, Whiskey Hollow or whatever conglomerate of that that's going to turn into. uh, Just booked a whole week in the studio to record 
uh, a new album, like a full album. So I'm really, really excited, especially because I don't condone full albums. I don't think they make much sense anymore for marketing purposes. But um, my little heart said, I don't care. Let's make a full record. So we're making a full record. Uh, and that'll come out in probably August, uh, at least the first single will. So it's basically from like the, from the 19th on, it's just going to be a hell of a lot of music coming out. So I'm really excited because right. Creativity connection, creating, I'm connecting. That's what I'm doing. Yay. Yay. Maddie. Go team. Go team. Claps. Yes. You're great. This has been fun. You were great, too. Good. Did we do the thing? Tell me what am I so afraid of That someone might idolize me Enough to spend all of their days Crafting ways to cage me and hold my key Tell me what am I Maybe flattery